What are you doing? I thought you were going to do the intro. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hello. <laughs> Welcome back to Stories with my Muslim mom. I am Ali Sultan and with me as always the very beautiful. Mona Shamsan. Mona Shamsan, how are you today? Good, how are you? Good. You enjoying uh, the nice weather outside? I am. How about you? I'm doing good. I'm enjoying the the fact that I don't have to worry about my life outside. Because <laughs> we had a, what was the, how hot did it get uh, like uh, last week, Greg? Was it over 90? It was not, which I was not, not here I guess it was week. not bad. Right. But I, I've, like I've seen some states that had like heat stroke um, uh, warnings and stuff like that. So yeah, it's been nice uh, to be just out and not suffer. Because, mm-hmm. like, that's, what the, you know, the like, the thing about Minnesota, the winter is so harsh, like, this really matters. Summer, and right? It's the yeah, only reason yeah. we stay. Correct. And then if we can't have that either, then what's left? Right. <laughs> you know? I'm a little nervous today. This is the first time I've been nervous. <laughs> really? <laughs> is it me? Oh, uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. Not, <laughs> not, very not. special, very important. I mean, <laughs> and not to take guest. away from our previous guests. <laughs> They're all special. But she's really special. <laughs> uh, Don Mentley is our guest today. She is uh, currently the director of the Minnesota Fringe Festival. Uh, she's done a lot in her career. And um, we, uh, we met um, uh, in person recently. Mm-hmm. We had you over for lunch, mm-hmm. right? And you talked to, uh, about your life uh, uh, briefly. And it was very fascinating to listen to. And I wanted to, like, I was like, well, of course we want to have you on. I want to capture that on this podcast. You're an incredible human being, and we are very uh, happy and honored to have you here. Wow. Yeah. Honored to have you. I'm blushing. Thank I've never you. blushed on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Don is amazing. Don, tell yes. us, uh, let's start with the Minnesota Fringe. What? Uh, how long have you been working for Minnesota Fringe? And what does it mean to you? Mm-hmm. You know, sure. Yeah. Um, so this will be my third festival. I started in 2017, four mm-hmm. months before the festival began. So I've been there for two and a half years. Minnesota Fringe is a performing arts extravaganza uh, where people are selected to share plays, stories, dance, stand up, whatever it is they want on a stage. They're selected by a lottery in a public drawing. Mm -hmm. And so anyone can be in the Fringe Festival and anyone can attend the Fringe Festival because it's very affordable as well. They're one-hour shows with 30 minutes in between each show and they happen in rapid succession over the course of 11 days. And this year there will be 136 shows. Each show has a minimum of five performances, so 742 performances in 11 days in 13 different venues. And that um, that also includes the six shows of Family Fringe, which started last weekend and is going through this weekend. Those are curated for multi-generational audiences. Mm, wow. Okay, that's a lot of things going on in one festival. Yes. And what it, what's your role? How involved are you in within the, all these things? This is my year-round job. People uh-huh. often ask me, <laughs> what do I do when the festival's over? Um, right now, I'm just trying to stay present in this year's festival because mm-hmm. for about the last month, I, I've been planning next year's activities. Mm-hmm. So I am the executive director 
director, which means I, I sort of oversee the various staff that are involved. We have a very small staff. There are mm. only four of us. Wow. Yes. And then we hire seasonal staff to help run the festival. Um, and that includes technicians for sound and lights on mm. all those stages and front of house personnel to make sure that audiences get what they need. And then we also work with 300 volunteers. Okay. And then um, audio description, ASL providers, open captioners, and this year a relaxed performance consultant so we could have relaxed performances in Family Fringe for people who have sensory processing needs. Wow. Um, so we do quite a bit of local hiring. And of course, we use local venues and we use all real theaters, um, not makeshift theaters. Um, and that's one of the things that artists who travel around in many fringes all over the United States enjoy about Minnesota. And, and uh, if I may ask, how mm. many fringe festivals are there all across the states? I don't know the number, to mm. be honest but with you. But it's not per state. No, it's not per state. Mm. We're the only fringe in the United States that is named after the state. Minnesota mm. Fringe. Everything okay. else is like Chicago Fringe or Kansas City Fringe okay. or and Indianapolis there's one in Fringe. There's in Canada, right? There's several in Canada. Okay. And um, they're actually all over uh, the world. Which oh. one is the original one? Do you know? It started in Edinburgh, Scotland in 1947. Scotland. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they are all over the world right now. Oh, and it was really... Uh, and, and is that still present? And is it yes. part of the circuit? It is definitely still present and it happens for like four weeks i think they begin in august as okay. well and go through the end of august or early september mm -hmm. and that is the kind of the mother fringe i would okay. say that is run slightly differently every fringe is its mm -hmm. own independent thing what is very common amongst fringes is that you are not curated into the festival you are chosen first come first serve or lottery yeah so explain that to me so every one in, in, in the state of Minnesota was it's based on like putting their name in a lottery system. Yeah, anyone. Or anyone. Anyone can you can apply. Yeah, I can apply. Mona can apply. Mona yeah. can apply. Yes. And but th then how do you control quality if it's like a lottery system? Because then you you're, it's up to you know we don't. chance. We don't. It is up to chance. But wow. I guess there's a fun gamble there because it, then it might be brilliant or it might be really awkward and which is sometimes hilarious to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So. I always say that there's something in fringe for everyone and some things are for no one. Mm. Wow. Which <laughs> is tough that. to do. To have something for no one is very specific. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I guess you can't technically tell us name names or name things that are for no one. The right. worst ones. I promote the festival as a whole, <laughs> and it is up to the artists to promote yeah, yeah, yeah. their individual shows. So we can, we'll ask someone else about the bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> but I can ask you about the, like, tell me about some performances you've seen that made an impression that made you go, man, I am so happy to be part of this uh, festival. Well, what's incredible about the performances is that they have 60 minutes to put their story on a stage. Mm -hmm. They have 10 minutes to load in their set and their costumes and their cast and 10 minutes to load out. So these are very pared down performances, mm -hmm. yet I've seen some of the most beautiful shows mm -hmm. and I have been moved to tears in 45 wow. minutes and I have been... Um, I've laughed so hard that my stomach hurts and my my mouth, my cheeks hurt, and in that amount of time. So the key to a great performance is just telling a great story. Um, we had some things that we say are fringy AF, and we enjoy that. Last year, a show that was called Hamlet, but Hamlet's a chicken. It featured a live chicken playing the role of Hamlet on stage. Um, there were several chickens that played the role of Hamlet. They swapped them out for sure. each performance. Um, that 
that's pretty fringy. Uh-huh. We enjoy the fringy. Yeah, because um, fringe is supposed to be like strange, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, the the original festival was started by artists who were not invited to perform in a performing arts festival in ah, Edinburgh, Scotland, but the they misfits. set up around the outskirts of town and performed mm. anyway. And pretty soon, their performances were getting more attention on mm. the fringe of the of the uh, festival, mm. and that's kind of how it was born. Mm-hmm. What's the most rewarding part of um, this job, and, and which which is all year long? All year long, yes, thank you. Um, I think the rewarding part is that Fringe provides a platform for anyone to express themselves creatively. Mm-hmm. Um, we are a laboratory for creativity, mm-hmm. and wow, I I that's so special. Yeah, it is. I really like that um, anyone who wants to tell a story can even if you've never done it before yeah. so whenever you're ready Mona you come up I want to next year yes. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah and oh yeah mama the only one of us can perform <laughs> <laughs> don't try to get my lane son <laughs> right, and you, stick, you stick to uh, audio stuff, right? <laughs> leave the visual art <laughs> and, and I love at the end of the festival we oh. return a minimum of 70% of the tickets mm-hmm to the artist so at the when the festival is over i count all the seats i know how everybody entered the festival mm-hmm. if they had a discounted ticket a free ticket or mm-hmm. um, a full price ticket and for each artist they are paid 70% of at minimum some are paid 100% depending on how they registered um, and i write a quarter million dollars back into the local economy in wow. wow that's oh. such a great thing for the for minnesota i guess it is it truly is and for the people oh that's amazing and for the artists yeah, they the get artists to especially be because uh, I'm sure there's people that they, they're in the full circuit. They go around and yes. make a living yeah. from their story. That's they great. do. And I feel like I'm helping people making a living mm-hmm. doing their art. And I think if you're an artist, that's yeah. kind of the goal. Yeah. Wow. And and would the hardest part be having to, like, because it's a lottery system, do you have people that think you still have a say and they have to, like, you know, they take, yeah. they, they direct that energy at you? It was like, is that a yes, people do direct mm. their energy. Out. <laughs> 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 Give us an example. Um, well, we had an we revamped our entire website a year ago, mm-hmm. and you know uh, websites are very difficult, and ours is very intricate. People mm. can build an individual's personalized schedule, and every page that has artist information on it is personalized by the artist. Mm. So there are hundreds of pages, and our website gets uh, like one point two million hits by 200,000 unique users in wow. about six weeks. Yeah. And if somebody is searching for a particular show or they want to search in a particular way and they're not finding it in the way that they think they should, they have no problem sharing that with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I am, I'm all about taking feedback in and trying to make something better. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also are a nonprofit that yeah. gives more than half of our um, income back yeah. to the artists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we, um, you know, there's only so much money and yeah. so much time. And yeah. like I said earlier, we only have four people that right. work right. there year round. There should be nothing but gratitude your way, but you know, <laughs> the human nature. It's okay. People want what they want. They want what they want. They yeah. People are entitled on there. People want what they want. <laughs> so, and I don't do, mind. And then do you get people that, uh, like, um, message you and say, hey, why didn't I be, like, even if they misunderstood the format, why why am I not on the fringe? Or I have been, why did I not get better, yeah. more spots? Or, like, is there a lot of that from the artists as well? Um, no, not, not a lot really, of that. It's yeah. very rare. Um, and usually we just take the time, or at least 
every since I've been there, I just take the time to explain how the whole thing works. And until until June first, I don't know who is in the festival because we refer to everyone as a lottery number. Ah. So you're number three o three, and you've told me that you have double casting with show three fifty six, and so I have to make sure not to schedule you in at the same time as that other show. But I have no idea who mm. you are. Do you guys do that on purpose so that yeah. there's like fairness to it? Yeah. Because there are people who come back year after year and, you know, we wouldn't want to play favorites or have any bias mm. at all. So everyone is a number. And then once all the scheduling is assigned, mm. every bit of the schedule is assigned, then I will peel back and say, all right, now who exactly is in this festival <laughs> this uh, year? That's, that's fun, too. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, let's see this unravel. That's yeah. great. And I've had people come up to me and say, you know, so-and-so famous person around town mm -hmm. didn't get into the festival, and now that you're in charge, perhaps you can do something about that. And I can't. I will always stay true to the lottery. Mm -hmm. That's that's somebody who's asking about me, and they're like, Ali <laughs> is in town. Yeah. <laughs> I love Ali, but I can't. I would love to have more stand-up in the festival in order oh, yeah? for that to happen. It, you like regular stand-up? Yeah, I think it would be fun. I'm, I love I'll apply next year. I, I might think of, like, a different, like, it would be a fun thing to, like, change the format of what I do mm -hmm. or make it more specific to a certain theme and yeah. be fun. Yeah. Well, that's the laboratory part is that mm. there are people who apply and get into the fringe specifically because they don't have another avenue to experiment. Yeah. And so perhaps they are part of a theater company that always yeah. kind of does the same thing. This is where they can go from a dance company to an improv troupe. Mm. So experiment. So right. The laboratory. Yeah. It's so interesting, this fringe festival. Well, you yeah. You're a part she's of it. She's thinking about uh, <laughs> your staff. You get the staff pass. Mm. You're thinking about yeah. going to one this weekend, right? Oh, yeah. Of course. Do you have any recommendations for our Don? I can't do that. Mm. I recommend bringing friends to French. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> it will be fun, more fun when you have friends. Huh? Absolutely. Because yeah. you have a friend from out of town that's coming in, right? From Ethiopia? or? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. You're going to take yeah. her? Does she speak English? She, Yeah. She's just like me. She speaks both Fluent languages. So. Fluent. Fluent. Well, she she speaks both languages. I mean, she yeah, speaks Arabic no, and Hebrew. She has no voice of the French person. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you know, on our access page, uh, we have a list of shows that are nonverbal in dance. So if you did know somebody that oh. isn't comfortable with English, you could find those shows and select a performance. Yeah. They wouldn't miss out on yeah. it. And also, it's, some, I feel like sometimes you don't, you don't want to like listen. You just want to see... Uh, theatrical stuff so mm -hmm. that's a cool way to do it mm -hmm. how about kids sir oh yeah well family fringe family is this fringe. weekend mm -hmm. and all of those shows are built for children and, oh. and so the, those are absolutely there are other shows in the fringe festival every artist can select the age group mm -hmm. so there are other shows in the fringe festival that are also good for kids that's artist selected um so i would assume that they know what they're talking about but sometimes Artists may say this is okay for children because there are no boobies or swears, mm. but the topic is boring. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something about making things just unfiltered are usually are more fun. Right? <laughs> it's really uh, fun. Yeah. Uh, so before you did Fringe, what was your um, career path? Was it in the just arts or was it something non-related? No. Well, immediately before Fringe, I ran another festival. You did? Yes, uh, called Art Shanty Projects. And that's a creative placemaking on a frozen lake. So that's an, mm. uh, an outdoor festival that happens in the middle of winter on a frozen lake. But truly my career path leading up to 
this was nothing to do with the arts. Really? Yeah. Tell us more. I, <laughs> uh, so I went to school to be a scientist, and I worked a, as a microbiologist for many years okay. at the Food and Drug Administration and at the University of Minnesota doing research biology um, and diagnostic biology or bacteriology labs. And um, so that's where my training and my passion really is. I love the sciences. I also love the arts. I think they're very related. Mm-hmm. Um, um, somewhere along the line, I, I uh, veered off and started doing marketing and business development, particularly for scientific or engineering firms. Mm-hmm. And so learned uh, how to write and how to um, to run a business and how to expand business, how to develop business. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then decided when I was about 40 that I was going to go to graduate school um, to get a degree in... Uh, nonprofit management because I really wanted to work somewhere where I was passionate about the cause mm-hmm. and I specifically wanted to work in the arts. Mm-hmm. Um, I doubled up and got a master's in business because I thought that would be more employable as well. Mm-hmm. So I spent a few years uh, getting uh, some master's uh, degrees. Uh, 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 what age was that that you had to go back and get your master's? So I was like 40. I wow. waited until the kids were old enough to be in school mm-hmm. all How day long. Three, Three that I know of. <laughs> <laughs> the 90s. Right. That doesn't work very well for no, me. No, you would, you would know. You would have been like a 10-month ten, ten period where you carried him. It's a painful thing. Yeah, I have three sons. And when the youngest one started mm-hmm. kindergarten and the oldest one was starting high school, I went back to school myself. I have this great wow. picture of all of us with our backpacks on at the first day of school. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are the names of the, the kids? So um, Andrew is my oldest. Uh-huh, and Andrew. Yes, you have. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was in town this morning, and was I he? said, you should come do the podcast. I would have loved to have it. We could have a play date. Oh, then it would be like mother, son, son. mother, son. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Greg can act as your... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, He offered to fly down. Did he? Yeah. I saw... I'm on Instagram friends with him. I saw him with a little plane, and I I just liked the picture yesterday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did you see the picture he posted this morning? I have not. Yeah, we went to the gym this morning. Did you? Together? Yeah. And then we, we came home, and he wanted to... Uh, I wanted to take a gym selfie, and so I had all of my bodybuilding trophies up, and I was wow. like, let's take those, because he's really built. Uh-huh. He's really thick, and uh-huh. uh, so I, I thought it would be a power play for me to put my bodybuilding trophies in the mm, picture. That's funny. Also, I love how nonchalant she mentioned that she was a bodybuilder and also <laughs> has some trophies. Let's talk a little bit about that, because okay. we talked about it last time, and it was very fascinating. <laughs> Before that, uh-huh. uh, when you were before your kids go start going to school, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. were you full time? Uh, do you have a full time job? I yeah, I worked at home, and I had worked at home for about ten years. And prior to that, I worked outside the home in the laboratory for about ten years. Mm. So, yeah, I. So you're getting two masters, and you go have a job. Yes, yep. I was job. running my own business, yeah, and yeah. and uh, and then three kids, and they were all involved. And so the oldest one was Andrew, and then mm-hmm. Jack is uh he was he's now 17 almost 18 mm-hmm. and max is 12 almost 13 mm-hmm. so they were they were little mm-hmm. um and you know in sports and things yeah. school stuff and field trips i'd still volunteer for that right. stuff too yeah. so. and you yeah and you're not doing only like pursuing like career and work and all that stuff you're also being a good mom at the same time you know, like i'd like to think so yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it's clear that amazing you are. mom yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a good mom yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, a little bit about the bodybuilding okay it's so fascinating yeah. <laughs> I, I want, uh, w- uh, were you athletic uh, going no. up 
Not no. at all. I was um, captain of the math team. Okay. And <laughs> when was that? <laughs> in high school. So I wasn't uh-huh. athletic. I was um, I was an orchestra nerd, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, on the student council and math math league and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But um, so not athletic at all. But I uh, after the third baby was born, I wasn't super excited with how I looked, and I had asked my family for a personal training session. Uh, like a gift certificate for Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know, and I'm inherently I'm very frugal. Mm-hmm. Some people say cheap. I like frugal. It's a nicer word. Mm-hmm. Um, Smart. Yeah. <laughs> so we had a membership, a family membership at the YMCA, and I never went into the weight room because I was intimidated. Mm-hmm. So I filled out the little form when I got my um, personal training certificate so they could match me up with someone. And I mm-hmm. specifically said, I want to learn how to use the weights because if I'm paying for this membership, I want to use the whole gym. Mm-hmm. Oh. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they paired me up with someone, and he taught me how to lift weights without hurting myself. Mm-hmm. Proper form was very important. Mm-hmm. How old are you at this point? I'm like 39, okay. something like that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, after those sessions were done, I, th- I think I asked for another round of sessions when uh, Christmas came around. And by then, the trainer was like, you know, you really take to this weightlifting thing. It's really making a difference. Like, yep, I, I feel good. I feel like I'm getting my money's worth at the Y, and I feel good about my body and stuff. And and he's like, have you ever considered um, competitively bodybuilding? And I just laughed at wow. him because I was like, no, I drive a minivan. I have three kids. <laughs> I go to school. I work. Like, where does that fit in at all? And he just sort of needled me for a little while, maybe another six months. And finally, I just gave in and said, okay, what does that mean? He says, you just do everything you're doing now, but you do it every single day, and you have to change the way you eat. Mm. So I I did it. And I Googled what to eat, and I Googled the bodybuilding uh, poses, and I found a competition, and I didn't sign up for a really long time, and I didn't tell anyone what I was doing because I thought, well, then if I don't tell anyone, then at any point I can just drop out and not do it. (laughs) And I later read in some, you know, article or magazine or something that, like, of all the, of 10 people who say they're going to do a bodybuilding competition, only one will get on that stage, and I understand why. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm also pretty determined and, um, I guess, stubborn. And I, it was getting results, and so I signed up for the competition, and then I had to do, like, this tanning, <laughs> to start tanning. Because yeah. uh, you, you told me, like, tanning uh, shows your muscles. Right, right. Because right. right. if you're on a stage and all the lights are hitting mm-hmm. you, and you're Caucasian like me, mm-hmm. you get super washed out. So mm-hmm. you, you try to get really tan, spray tan, mm-hmm. regular tan, all of that stuff. And mm-hmm. then I, I Googled the bodybuilding positions. I, I practiced with my trainer a couple of times. But, like, I didn't meet with him every day. I think I met with him, like, four times. And I lost 20 pounds, and I got down to, I think, my first competition, I was, like, just under 10% body fat. And um, and I went up to the competition. I'm on the stage, and the judges are in front of you, and, and they said, okay, now we are going to see the nine mandatory positions uh, um, of bodybuilding. And I just lost it because... I had only practiced and memorized seven. Oh. Mm. So I literally had to fake two of them by looking to my left, looking uh. to my right, and just trying to see what everybody else That's was doing. Funny. And I ended up getting second in the state. Wow. wow. <laughs> so if, you, if you had two more, you would have been good. If I had just had more time yeah. to and, Google and, that. And, 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 and it would be the first yeah. one. Yeah. And I've seen the picture. It's, like, yeah. it's one thing to talk about, like, being a body, like I, you had a, like a 
solid six pack. Yeah. Your form was good. Symmetry between them. Like there's a lot of things that goes to oh, the absolutely. judging, right? It so was you... all about symmetry when mm-hmm. I was working out and I counted every single calorie mm-hmm. that passed my lips. And and I really had it dialed into a percent of fat and carbs and mm-hmm. protein every single day. And I ate the weirdest things. You know, those chickens that you buy that are roasted at the yeah. grocery store? Mm-hmm. I would just buy one of those and rip off all of the fat and skin, skin and just eat that. Wow. Um, and, you know, and I'd show up to class when I was in graduate school evening, just be like, here's my roasted chicken, and I'm just going to eat this and drink this half oh, gallon and, of water. And, and, oh, so this is happening <laughs> while you're getting your master's, yeah. two masters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. wow. There's, uh, there's only, if you, you don't meet people like your office. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I knew a woman who ran her first tri- um, Ironman triathlon while she was getting her PhD. Mm. And I, I went to her for comfort when mm. I was doing this. I'm like, why am I doing this? And she said, Dawn, you have to ramp up your body when you're ramping up your mind. Otherwise, you'll be out of equilibrium. Mm. And that, I love that stayed with me. I and love it that. and it felt right at the time. So I haven't competed since I graduated mm-hmm. for my masters. My last competition, I was down to like seven percent body fat. Mm-hmm. And I would just get obsessed mm-hmm. with, you know, getting lean. Mm-hmm. And um and it's funny because like the first time and I didn't really tell anybody what I was doing and I remember picking my children up from school and they get into the back seat and I had just come from like my second spray tan so I was <laughs> very dark uh-huh. and um and the kids were in the back seat just looking at me with this funny look they're like what <laughs> is going on with your mom uh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> what is happening in this minivan <laughs> and uh the one one kid in the back seat is like uh, miss bentley why are you that color? <laughs> and I said, because I have a bodybuilding competition. And I don't know if my children were just young and oh. not really paying attention or if they were really trying to get my goat, but they constantly referred to it as my beauty pageant. Uh. When is your beauty pageant, Mom? I'm like, it's a oh. bodybuilding competition. Yeah. It's so much tougher, you yeah. know? <laughs> That's great. That's great so, so, yeah. So this morning we were working out together, and that kid yeah. definitely has his mother's shoulders. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah sure. Let me ask you this. Often, uh, so now you're not doing the competitions mm-hmm. anymore. Uh, but I like the part where you said you got to ramp up your body when you're ramping mm-hmm. up your mind, and you have to do that still because you, your job sure. is very demanding mentally. Yes. So, what's your workout thing like on a normal week? Um, well, I'm training for the Twin Cities Marathon right now. Of course, you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, last week, um, the day that Family Fringe or the, was the day that Family Fringe started. I think it was after that I dropped off some equipment for tech rehearsals. I went and ran a half marathon and then went back to work and did a did a press interview. Yeah. And then yeah, wow. so I'll just Gr- do Greg that. Greg is like uh, dumbfounded. Yeah, I just did half a marathon and then I went back. You know, to casually. Work. <laughs> yeah. You know what I did? To, I I took a walk and it was like a mile long and I was like, oh my god, this is a long walk. <laughs> well, and he just willy nilly <laughs> just half. A, how long does it take you to run a half marathon and then go back to it? What's what's the amount of time you spent running? Two hours and I went back to work. Stinky. Whoa! <laughs> did you hear, Mom? Remember earlier when you complained about walking? <laughs> two hours. Wow. Two hours of running. Two hours of running. But wow. my mind was clear. I went back to work. I got of a lot course. done. All the stress is gone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't enjoy running. Yeah. Uh, I spend about three miles going. I don't like running. I don't know why I do this. And about another three miles thinking of all the things I could be doing instead mm-hmm. of running. Mm-hmm. And then uh, spend about four miles making lists of what I'm going to do when I'm done running. Mm-hmm. 
And then uh, after that, I start to problem solve mm. somewhere around mile 11. And they say, I've listened to a podcast where they said that um, the runner's high kicks in at 90 minutes. And for mm. me, that's about mile 11. <laughs> and so, um, and at that point, then I start problem solving all kinds of things in my mind. And somewhere around 15 miles, I don't think of anything. And as a mother of three mm. and a busy person mm. and somebody whose mind is racing all the time, mm. Not thinking about anything is the point. Yeah, that is the clear. point. Yeah. I think about nothing. Wow. And it's beautiful. Wow, I can do that sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> it's a gift. That's great. But That's you know, on a regular week, I get up and I go to the gym before work. Mm-hmm. And I have the, you know, if you go to the same gym at the same time, you have your regulars that you work yeah. out with. So I have my septuagenarian and octogenarian boyfriends that are always there. Mm. Um, and uh, it's in a, they check in on me. If I don't show up, they ask, where have you been? Oh, wow. That's mm. nice. They yeah. hold each other accountable in a way. Yeah. So cool. So great. So <laughs> what's your day look like? My day, yeah, I get up about five. Wow, look at that! <laughs> uh, I drink a lot of coffee, feed the dogs. Oh, you uh, like that? I have two dogs, and they're very hungry all the time. What kind? Mm. The, a pit bull and an English pointer. Oh, and uh, then I head off to the gym, do that for a while, come back. Uh, if it's a school time, then I will make breakfast for the kids, get them off to school, uh, shower, get ready, go to work work all day, come home, feed the dogs. That's very important mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then there's always something to do. Mow the lawn, shovel the walk, depends on the season. Yeah. There's always something to there's do. You know, I that. rarely do is I rarely turn on the television. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to read. I still get a magazine subscription. I get Rolling Stone and oh. National Geographic and read them cover to cover every month. Mm-hmm. I listen to podcasts a lot when I run. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to go see stand-up comedy. That's how I oh. met this one. Oh. <laughs> this one is, this by one. the way, is me. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yep. It's not Mona because apparently she's doing stand-up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And uh, how, what time do you wake up and what time do you go to sleep? I go. I wake up about 5 and I go to bed around 10.30 or 11. 10.30, yeah, 11. Mm-hmm. Okay. Successful people have it. Successful is people it? have it. Yeah, yeah awesome. I bet you, you, you kind of remind, like, uh, I was listening to uh, Kevin Hart on a podcast and he was talking about his, like, daily routine. It's kind of reminded me of the same mm. thing. Waking up super early, working out, stuff like that. My children are never really impressed with anything that I do because I'm just the mom. But they were impressed because I ran a race called Hood to Coast and Kevin Hart was running it. Oh, yeah? Yes. That's what it takes, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, did you see Kevin Hart? I'm like, I just ran 200 miles in a team of people from the top of Mount 200 Hood. miles? Yeah, with the team. It was a relay. Wow. With the, from the top of Mount Hood to the coast of Oregon. And they're like, yeah, but did you see Kevin Hart? Because <laughs> he was doing that too. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so you did the uh, trial. Uh, did you do the, uh, was it called the one where you swim and then you the triathlon? A triathlon? Yeah. Uh, just a, a sprint. You I haven't done the Ironman. Okay. Okay, although yeah, I, I almost like got talked into it last year. I'm, I feel like you're going to do that. I feel like someone's going <laughs> to talk me into that eventually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's what? What are things um, uh, that uh, you aspire to accomplish within the next say ten years? Wow! Um, wow! Well, I want Fringe to be successful. Mm-hmm. And Which, by the way, uh, I feel like before you came into it, it was not in a great 
place, right? I feel it like was. It was. It was. It's been suffering. So it started in 1993, mm -hmm. and it's been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. So there's this perception that it's too big to fail, but that's not true. Mm -hmm. Times have changed. The environment we're working in is different, um, and so it was a little precarious when I first got there. And I want to. I've done a lot of different things. We've added programming year-round to try to make it more sustainable. So I would yeah. like to, when my time is done there, to leave a legacy of sustainability mm -hmm. for that organization. Yeah, and you being humble, um, I, I feel like <laughs> you've done a lot for that festival. I've made a lot of changes in two yeah, and a half years, that, that that's for really sure. Good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hope it's good, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, I love to travel, so, mm -hmm. A lot of my, what I want to do in the next few years is like, oh, it's See about what I'm doing with my spare time. Um, I read a blog one time that somebody has taken painstakingly the average temperature all over the United States and they've crafted a year, a 70 degree year. Mm. And so that you can you can start, I don't know, let's say Phoenix, Arizona or something like that. You can start there. It's 70 degrees. Maybe it's in November. And they tell you exactly where to go throughout mm. the entire United States. And I believe so all smart. the way up and do an entire 70-degree year. So I aspire to within the next year. 10 years to do a 70-degree year with a tiny house. Oh, oh that's yeah. a great <laughs> dream that is. Yeah. I mean, not even a dream. It's a very attainable thing. And so I want to do it when I'm young enough so that I'm really <laughs> right. like prospecting where my next place will be. Ah. So I'd like to do that. That's mm. lovely. That's such a great... And who would you share this journey with? I would... By yourself? I was no. That's going to happen with uh, flying? Or no, driving. 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 Tiny home. Have you, do you know what a tiny home is? Uh, uh, oh, okay. I you know, you've yeah. seen yeah. it. Yeah, you TV. drive with that, yeah. so yeah. you have everything behind you. Mm -hmm. yeah, but not, not quite the, like, not what you think it is, uh. it, but it's a fancier version of that. Okay. Yeah, so you're thinking about like um, like a camper. You can sleep. Camper, you yeah. can cook there. Yeah. yeah. You wanna? Do you have? Is there internet on that thing? Yeah. Yeah. He'll he'll pull it up and oh, show sure. you at a tiny home. Mm. Would you build a tiny home yourself? Or? Oh no, I have no skills. In yeah. That okay. Area, so. I bet you like you, you look like you can build a house. <laughs> 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 she didn't think about it. If she yeah. think about it. I'm just trying to think of what can I do idea. to have income for that year. Yeah. Mm. Oh. So maybe traveling musician mm. or. You know, I don't yeah. know. Maybe find some internet job. Right. That yeah, I don't do. you? I forget. Was that like? Uh, do you have uh, people that work? Uh, I don't know if you're a producer for them, but you, like you mentioned something about oh. kids' books. Or, oh, the, the or is, um, oh. So I uh, well, I play violin. Uh -huh. and I play, you play a, violin. Yep, and I play in a band. Mm -hmm. And then one of my bandmates plays in another band called the Bazillions. Mm -hmm. And they so my band is Atomic Flea. As long as I'm plugging, I'm gonna plug everyone. Uh -huh. um, and the Bazillions is another band that's for children and for I was telling you guys the story for like a year more uh -huh. we met in my house every Sunday to plot out how to blow this thing up uh -huh. and, and the lead singer of my band Eric Kreidler um, makes the videos and it's kind of like um, schoolhouse rocks and so there it's music for children by adults mm -hmm. um, but it's educational and fun and actually good groovy tunes that adults won't get sick of listening to. I don't mm. want to disparage any other children's yeah. focused music groups, but um, sometimes kids' music can suck, <laughs> and this doesn't suck. And mm. um, and then these videos go with it, and they're really fun and, and interesting. And so, yeah, I was, I was managing and helping to find gigs when they first came out. Mm. Now they're 
quite successful and play all over. And um, so it'd be really fun to be a musician. But I was telling Greg earlier, I used to play in a punk band in the early really? 90s. Yeah. Okay. And um, I don't want to do that again because <laughs> I'm too old. But that was fun when you're like 20. It mm. was really fun mm. um, because you're just wild and out of control. Yeah. So. <laughs> you know, you kind of need to be present. Huh? Uh, yeah. Yeah. B.C. before children. Uh, B.C. before <laughs> children. <laughs> <laughs> right. Mom, How about stand-up comedy? I would love to be a stand-up comedian. Mm, yeah, that's my, that. like, I think it would be, it seems like it would be really fun, and it's mm. like a great uh, creative release. I, I think it looks like a blast. It also looks like hard, hard work, and mm. I, you have to, like, earn your keep and, you know, take all the lumps that you must take and when you mm. first start out and yeah. I asked you a lot about like how long did that take and yeah. I just I don't know if I've got that much time but uh, it does take a lot of time <laughs> but I love to yeah. watch stand-up comedy uh, comedy is fun it's fun when it's fun <laughs> right. yeah. Greg you're kind of like a stand-up adjacent I never really got stand-up adjacent right yeah. exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. like I knew comics yeah so I just kept hanging around comics and that's yeah. how it happened yeah that's yeah. pretty much how I met you. I know. I met you through Maggie. Right. Ferris was a hilarious comedian. Exactly. Yeah. Have you ever seen Maggie Ferris? I don't think so. Oh, man. You have to she looks like an old timey newsboy. She's got the hat and yeah. the glasses. Awesome. And, uh, <laughs> I thought it would throw them Yeah. Yeah, I I love to just go and laugh as loudly as I possibly okay. can. It feels so good. And I think Ball that's why um, some of the. I always introduce myself to a comedian if I think they did a great job. I'll bother to come really is that, this is why i've never met you no i, I introduced myself <laughs> to you scared, I, I remember <laughs> and 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 when you had your um your album uh you released came, at yeah. sisyphus i introduced yeah. myself to a bunch of people who were you there did. with you yeah. as well yeah. and thanks for coming uh, to that oh that was a fun one wasn't it, it was really fun i think minneapolis and st paul is amazing stand-up yeah we it's have a great amazing. scene it's it's mm. a great local scene and i think people come through here like Larger national acts come mm -hmm. through here oh, yeah. that are really good. Yeah, um, I know. I think that people who are not from Minnesota are always surprised at how, yeah, how much culture we have, yeah. how much we have to do, how diverse it is. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people come here to go to school and stay. It's mm -hmm. a good quality of life. Yeah, Minnesota is uh, definitely a special place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let me ask you a hard question. Uh, okay. Maybe not really a hard question, but what's you? Because you seem very indestructible. You know, what I mean, you're, <laughs> you know, and, and I know you're not right, but you're like this very strong person, and who's accomplished a lot, who does so many things, who's, who seems like you don't really know the like the impossible is not in your dictionary. But I'm sure you know you have your doubts, like everybody else. You know, what, what's your do you have you in your lifetime? What was what would you say like a weak moment for you where you thought you know things are bleak and I can't uh, and I can't make it through and then you you surpassed that and you overcame it. Well, two weeks before every bodybuilding competition for mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think I think I'm generally a positive person. Person, okay. And I and you know. I, I don't even think of mistakes as mistakes as mm. long as I learn something and do something different the next time. And challenges are simply like I haven't asked the right question or I haven't found the right person to help me. Mm. Um, I don't think that I try to do things all by myself. I'm not afraid to ask for help. Mm. Um, is that part of, the, is, of it is being willing to 
Well, I certainly don't have all the answers, and I think that you know that not any one person does, yes. but but it takes a, you know a village of people really. I'm trying to get to the recipe of success here. The, uh, <laughs> what do you think is the the thing that helps you accomplish these things? I am I'm very determined. Mm-hmm. I have good mental game. Mm, good mental game. Mm-hmm. Have you always had it? Yeah, I think I have always had good mm. mental game. Is that and something that you felt like inherited maybe from is it one of your parents similar or like a genetic thing or just like No, I don't think so. I um I was given as a kid, I think I was given a lot of freedom to be creative and entertain mm. myself and mm. we grew up in different times. Mm. I looked at Mona like I didn't have like I by the way I I uh <laughs> I grew up in uh, third world country so I'm a baby boomer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, grew up, I, I, awesome. I I didn't have a black white television. Yes, okay. You know, I knew right. about the Beatles when I was 16 and right. the same No same interwebs. Time. No interwebs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had no cable. Yeah, I bet me and you had the same exact job. Yeah, so okay, <laughs> yeah. there it is. Um so yeah, I I don't know, when we lived out in the country and I just spent a lot of time just exploring. Yeah. And running around and riding my bicycle and mm. and my parents they let me do that and mm. so I found my own way of entertainment and um, just use my imagination mm. quite a bit. You had an, uh, enough time to brew by yourself. Yeah, I think boredom is really important when you're a kid yeah. because I think boredom fosters creativity mm. and I feel bad for you know even my 12 year old who has a hard time getting bored because there's always an iPad available. Mm. And um, I think it's okay to get bored and then dream up something for yourself. Because boredom is like the step before you make something up that's fun. Mm. Right. I mean, my brother and I would, we would, we would just make up things Mm -hmm. to do because Mm -hmm. we lived out in the country and didn't have a lot of kids Mm -hmm. that lived near us. So we would make things up or I would just, I would, um, learn how to sail or go fishing or catch salamanders or mm. whatever and that was that was good enough yeah and i think i can see where that also can help mold you into who you are like because you don't have this exterior you know like you're by yourself a lot you're you're you know learning to fish learning to do all these things you're gaining confidence in yourself mm-hmm. you know and and there were adults in my life who um, gave me responsibility. And mm-hmm. whenever one of my children have acted up and a, and a teacher has, <coughs> you know, they're perfect in, in many ways, but they're, they're regular kids. Mm-hmm. And a teacher will call and say, I don't know what to do. One of these, you know, one of your children is misbehaving in class. I always say we just give them some responsibility because they will step up to the plate. Mm-hmm. And so the next time that child acts inappropriately, say, Hey, youngster, I don't want to call anyone out. Um, Could you take these papers down to the office for me? Or could you help me Mm. um, clean out this cabinet or do something? Because if you give them responsibility, they will step up to the plate. They'll feel responsible for the classroom Mm. and they'll act differently around their friends. And, And I had adults who did that. My dad owned his own business and he had us working at a pretty young age um, because we asked to, but he didn't discriminate or give us <coughs> BS tasks mm-hmm. because we were kids. He's mm-hmm. like, okay, if you're ready to work, you will work. He owned a gas station and had a towing company. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of things I didn't really put together until much later. He scheduled me the 3 to 11 shift pretty much all through high school. Wow. And my brother... Uh, enlightened me. He's like, yeah, dad knew where you were every Saturday night in high school. <laughs> no. You know, like, but it gave you structure too. But he yeah. was like, 
the way he presented it, it was like, you know, I can count on you. I know you're going to be there Saturday night shift. That's an important shift. I need wow. you there. You know, we got to take the deposit home because there's no bank yeah. to take to because the bank isn't open on Sunday. I need somebody I can rely on. I really stepped up to that. And wow, I like what a took smart way to do pride that. in that. He also, we owned a, uh, he owned a towing company. And so when, when there would be a snow emergency and they would tow the cars to, to make room for the plows to come through, my dad's company was the one that towed them and so people were very angry Mm. and he'd put this little fresh-faced 14 15 year old girl down at the lot and he's like it didn't ever say that to me but I I could see the anger in people's faces when they'd come because they'd have to pay the ticket yeah it's such a fine and the impound fee and all that stuff and they'd walk (laughs) in and I'd be there with you know pigtails and freckles and big blue eyes and they'd be like oh okay how much is it and they would <laughs> refrain from screaming yeah, at me because. Yeah. <laughs> so he was, he's actually really smart. smart. Yeah, he's yeah. very smart. Tactful. And, yes. <laughs> and I watched lots of people get upset with him because he worked in a job where there was a lot of customer service and he never lost his temper. Mm. And he always taught people, taught the people that he worked with how to treat a customer. And even people who were being completely unreasonable, he was always even keeled. And I think about the people that come to Fringe that are attending shows, but the artists that we work with and the venues that we work with, we have to provide customer service for every single one of those. And everyone wants something else, you Mm -hmm. know, something different. And so I think about my dad a lot when I'm listening to somebody tell me the website doesn't work as they wanted to, or an artist say, I really wanted this thing in my venue or I wanted that evening of performance or the, <coughs> the venue owners having something or a, any of our seasonal staff. I, they're all my customer, right? They're all our customers. Yeah. So I have to really listen. And I think most of the time people just want to be heard. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm. And mm-hmm. it's never really about you when they're mad. No, yeah. no. And, <laughs> and if they feel heard, then yeah. yeah they'll last mad, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. That's great. How about your mom? My mom is painfully shy, which is really fun because um, I'm not shy. My dad's not shy. My brother wasn't shy. Um, She's very shy and very sweet, very Minnesotan. Mm. When I get around her, my Minnesotan accent comes out very hard. Mm. It's fun (laughs) to listen to us talk. (laughs) Um, But she, uh, she worked when I was growing up. I think she was home until... I think we, maybe I started kindergarten, mm. so like those critical first five years and then worked outside of the home and also worked with my, I think she did all of the paperwork, bookwork, accounting for stuff for my dad on top of that. So hardworking person, mm. very hardworking person. Was she artsy? She is artsy and her mom is uh, was an artist, mm. a painter, well, really an artist of all types. Right, so. She could do anything. Mm. And I think that's where my love of art came in for sure I had a a grandma that could paint could build furniture she could use a bandsaw I mean she could do anything and um and I also had a really great humanities teacher in high school that wouldn't just teach us out of a book the classics and but he would actually show us slideshows of Mm. his family in Greece and it just was a lot more meaningful and I think between those two, my love of the arts was definitely solidified. Mm. Um, and my, my older brother started playing violin, I think because his friend was playing violin. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to be like my older brother. So I really wanted to take violin lessons. And as mm-hmm. soon as I started, he quit. 
<laughs> but I've been doing it for 35 years. <laughs> also fun to see the, the influences. Yeah. Right? There's a great book um, called The Sibling Effect mm. by Jeffrey Kluger that talks about how your siblings <clears throat> have a really a profound influence on you because they're the only people who know you in a certain way mm -hmm. that even your parents don't know you. Because I will look mm -hmm. at even my 24-year-old son and he's still my baby. When I took him to the gym today, I was like, I brought the baby. Um, <laughs> and um, But yeah, and, and I read that book uh, shortly before my brother passed away mm -hmm. because I knew I was going to lose that person mm -hmm. that I only knew in that way. Mm -hmm. And that only, he's the only one who knew me in that way. And he has had a great influence on me and it's and it's it's a fascinating read mm -hmm. really uh, uh, tell me about your son the pilot the pilot yeah. <laughs> he is uh 24 years old and he works and lives in Duluth but he flies all over and uh I think he's a, a lot more like me than <coughs> anyone cares to um, admit himself to um Yeah, I think so. Um, but uh, he loves stand-up comedy, mm -hmm. and so I've sent him to see Ali when you were in, in Duluth, Duluth and, uh, and he loves to travel, as do I, mm -hmm. so um, he's spent a few months out uh, after high school just goofing off in Europe, mm -hmm. and... Um, With, I, it, with you? I spent 10 days with me and oh. then, uh, then the rest of the time with his friends from high school. Mm. I made sure that they, they, had somewhere, they had some experiences with somebody who had been there before and then I left and nice. then, they, then they showed me the redacted version of the slideshow of what mm. they did. Yeah, I do remember he said there was a lot less museums after you left. Ah, <laughs> that's funny. Probably a lot more discos. <laughs> So, yeah, he's a, he's a great person, and, and I'm really happy that I, I feel like he's one of my closest friends, and yes. I can only hope for that. You know, the other two are teens, yeah. and um, I hope someday that they will also be uh, in they the will. same But yeah, they, yeah. There's um, teenagers that are usually your greatest enemies. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I always say that children, uh, when they're 13, they keep their schedule on the bottom of their brain pan uh, uh, yeah. because every time I ask them to do something, they roll their eyes, and I'm assuming uh, they're checking their schedule, uh, <laughs> 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 making sure they had time for it. <laughs> you mentioned that you love traveling. Yes. Uh, would you like to share some of your experience? Uh, some places that you you enjoy visiting? Yeah, I think um, one of my favorite travel stories was uh, totally unexpected. I was going to go to Chicago to spend the weekend with a friend and go to see a concert. Mm -hmm. And we bought the tickets months and months in advance. And she called me up and said, hey, I need to talk about this concert. And I said, okay, no problem. If you can't go, I, I will find someone to go to this, this show with me. She said, no, no, I, I still want to go, but I have a wedding that weekend. Oh, well, feel free to go to the wedding. She said, well, I'd like you to go to the wedding with me. Oh, great. I love weddings. Dancing, mm. music, it'll be great. It's mm. awesome. Young love, mm. let's do it. She goes, well, the wedding is in Bulgaria. Oh, And It's I said, fun. yeah, <laughs> I said, okay, let's do it. So mm -hmm. we planned a pretty short and spontaneous trip to Bulgaria. And uh -huh. honestly, Bulgaria was not on my hit list um, mm -hmm. at all. I didn't really know anything about any Eastern Bloc countries. Um, 
But I thought, what the heck, let's do it. And we went to Sofia, Bulgaria, and then we um, drove out into the mountainous area where this wedding was taking place. And I absolutely fell in love with Bulgaria. Wow. It was amazing. It, mm -hmm. I could stand on the street corner and see that, you know, this had been a trade route for centuries because I could be standing on an old Roman road. I could see a mosque across the street from a Jewish temple from uh, right next to a communist uh, government building. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was all there in a, in lot a of couple. History. Wow. So much history. And the people were amazing. <laughs> the, it was... Uh, one of the most reasonably priced European trips I'd mm -hmm. ever taken. Um, the food was fantastic. I had no idea. What kind of food is that? Greek? Some? It's kind of like yeah. Greek. Um, I thought it was even better than the food that I had yeah. in Greece. Yeah. And, uh, um, and yeah, it was just, it was so much fun. So much. There was, and the, the wedding was traditional and authentic. And we spent... I think 12 hours dancing. It started at like noon where we went to, I believe the groom's cousin's house. There was some dancing, some breaking of glass wow. and opa and all wow. that business. And then we danced to the next house and picked up more people from the <laughs> wedding party, danced to the next house. Wow. Then there was this whole ceremony where the, the groom was calling for the bride, but the bride's family had her hidden inside a room. Oh. And, uh, and then there was like, you had to pay a bribe and finally uh. they, Given what tradition money. is this? It was Bulgarian tradition. Wow. I don't know. It was. I didn't understand any of it. I didn't speak any of the language. Sun, but I, 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 I danced and I had a great time. Yeah. <laughs> and their wedding went on and there was so much dancing. And uh, yeah, it went until I think at, at like two o'clock in the morning. I was like, we, I gotta go. I'm done. And um, and I look over and there's the father of the groom I think it was and he's probably in his 70s just still dancing away I'm like you've trained your whole life for this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just not ready <laughs> he's, he's his dancers high so yeah nice. it was really fun mm. so that was amazing and then another of my favorite trips was going to Greece to run the original marathon course that was mm. just amazing the and original I, wow yeah from marathon to Athens and and, Athens. Wow. and, um, and I went with my friend who is I've run marathons with, and she's run many marathons. She's my running buddy. So mm. I was there with the right person mm. doing that thing, and that was pretty amazing. Wow. At what age did you start doing marathons? I was 40. 40. Wow. Mm -hmm. 40 is a mm -hmm. turning point for you. Lot, yeah, it was. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Do you um, want to leave us with some wisdom? What What lesson have you learned from life that you take with you like on a daily basis and wow it's so deep I, we get you know you're a deep person so <laughs> I'm trying to get the goodies off you <laughs> I think the thing I say the most to people is pay attention more will be revealed so just be present in the moment mm -hmm. pay attention to the people you're with and and what you're doing in that time and the next right thing will be revealed Mm. Give me an example of uh, that's happening to you. Well, when I was at my last job and I was um, had accomplished all the things that I set out to do and I didn't know what to do next. Will I stay at this job? Will I? Will this thing grow? I knew it wasn't uh, fiscally going to work for me to just work that job because it was a much smaller festival and so it wasn't a full-time gig. Mm -hmm. And I went somewhere with a friend I think I think it was the gym actually and we were talking about you know the job market and she noted that fringe was looking for uh, an executive director 
And I thought, well, they'll never, they wouldn't hire me. I don't have any theater background. I don't have any theater experience. And, um, and so I kind of let that go and then just stumbled across the posting in a way that I wasn't, I wasn't looking for a job. But it stumbled across the posting. And um, I thought, well, you know what? That's two signals. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll just apply because it's good for me to apply. And if I get an interview, that's even better because it's great practice. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm ready to leave this current position, I will have had some practice. And that's what's important. Mm-hmm. And applied. And then I interviewed. And then interviewed again. And then interviewed again. Wow. <laughs> and ended up... Um, calling up a friend who had lots of theater experience and saying, you know, I've had a couple of interviews and they felt really good, but they're not going to hire me. I don't have a theater background. Mm -hmm. And he said, but they're not asking you to run a theater. They're Mm -hmm. asking you to run a festival and you do know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And I, and I paid attention to that moment and then it it just felt right. And Mm -hmm. so when the, when they offered me the position, um, the nervousness about, I'm not going to do a good job because Mm. I'm not a theater person. It just sort of subsided because I had paid attention to the people and the path that was laid out before me, and it felt right to say yes, and it's felt right ever since I got there. Wow. What a great uh, example. (laughs) (laughs) Right off the top. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing with that that story and, and every story you've told today, and thanks for being here today. Uh, Mom, do you have any final questions before we sign off? <laughs> we can have you over again for lunch. That and we'll was talk going more. to be my question. Will you invite me back? Oh, yeah. oh, I love delicious. to. It's my pleasure. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. One of my luckiest day this year. Oh, today I meet you. One oh. of your luckiest yeah. day. Yeah. That's wow. Great. Not mm. not our uh, starting a podcast. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, that was last year, right? <laughs> 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 All right. Thank you so much for listening to Stories with My Muslim Mama. I've been Ali Sultan. Good night. Mm-hmm.